What an absolute mess this Hunter Biden plea deal is becoming. You heard it there at the top of the hour, Fox News. News to me, broke the news to me about uh, uh, two minutes ago uh, that an IRS whistleblower uh, is also backing up the claims that uh, Donald Trump appointed prosecutor David Weiss um, was just a figurehead of of this investigation that uh, led to a plea deal um, instead of uh, felony or, or, or jail time for Hunter Biden lying on a gun form for a background check and, of course, uh, not paying taxes for uh, a number of years, owing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, now it looks like House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is actually calling for David Weiss to testify in front of Congress uh, to get to the bottom of this. So uh, McCarthy has set a deadline for July 6th, and uh, I have a feeling this is not over by a long shot. Uh, not sure how dark uh, the uh, the wildfire smoke got by your place the other day, but in the Down River area, uh, it was borderline apocalyptic. And uh, the smoke from the Canadian wildfires, it's reached all the way over to Europe. Uh, it gave Detroit the world's worst air quality for a short time yesterday, along with Chicago. Uh, it seems like New Delhi, India, is actually the uh, the, the default uh, worst air quality in the world. Uh, because anytime you, you know one of uh, the the cities here in America takes turns um, having the worst uh, air quality due to the Canadian wildfires, they always uh, compare it to to New Delhi, India. Uh, and apparently, this this Canadian fire season is officially the worst on record. There are over 19 million million acres of woods that have burned across uh, northern Canada. And it's actually causing recruitment issues for firefighters in Canada. Uh, there was a Reuters survey that says there are about 2,500 people short of where they need to be. And, of course, uh, the air quality advisory from yesterday has been um, uh, extended till uh, midnight tonight. And I'm sure that it's going to um, continue past that. Um, I, I believe that uh, Kim Adams on Local 4 said that uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it could possibly um, get better. But, I mean, these these wildfires are nowhere near extinguished. I mean, you look at the, the, the map, it's just about... All the uh, all the Canadian wilderness north of where, you know, the majority of the, the Canadian population lives. And, uh, you know, y- you got to wonder, eventually, is this going to start uh, affecting our weather? I remember back in 1992, there was that big uh, uh, volcano that erupted in Europe and it uh, blocked the sun out enough to 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 make that a very cold summer. Um you wonder if that's going to happen. You also wonder, I, I mean, this thing seems like it's nowhere near under control. And uh, you, you have to wonder if, if the populated areas are going to be uh, become at risk soon. Um, I, I mean, no, no signs of stopping. I don't know if there's a uh, National Guard equivalent to, to firefighting, but uh, they need to be called in. And just kind of taking a look around town. Here in the Detroit city proper, the air quality index is 267, which is very unhealthy for everybody. Northern suburbs up around uh, Romeo, 187. That's just uh, classified as unhealthy. The west side, Ypsilanti, Ann Arbor, 230. 
Um, there is nowhere in the Metro Detroit area or Michigan where the air quality is decent. Uh, former President Donald Trump reacting to that leaked audio yesterday, leaked or released. We still haven't found out yet. Um, where you hear him talking to a author writing a book on Mark Meadows back in 2021, where Donald Trump's talking about having um, classified documents in his possession pertaining to attacks on Iran. And it sounds like in the audio recording that, uh, you know, he's holding up the documents and he's showing them to the author. However, we don't know what those documents were. Here he was in a tour stop at a tour stop in New Hampshire the other day. What did I say wrong in those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. So there you go. There is his side of the story. But, uh, of course, just like the Hunter Biden probe, uh, this is far from over. Oakland County, uh, County prosecutors have submitted new evidence to the Michigan Supreme Court in an attempt to proceed with the trial of James and Jennifer Crumbly, parents of the Oxford High School shooter, Ethan Crumbly, for their role in their shooting and their negligence leading up to it. Now, back in May, the Crumbly's defense, they appealed to the Michigan Supreme Court to get the case against the Crumbly's thrown out after a lower court upheld a decision to send them to trial. Uh, Facebook messages between the couple where uh, Jennifer Crumbly was, quote, freaking out that Ethan would, quote, do something stupid dating back to March. Uh, an interview where Mrs. Crumbly claimed that she didn't look closely at the disturbing drawings that were done by Ethan ahead of the shooting and uh, gun range receipts. That was some of the evidence that was submitted to the state's high court. And both parents are facing four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection to the four uh, murders committed by their son at Oxford High School. This has to be very uh, frustrating for uh, Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald, who um, you could tell at uh, her early press conferences after the shootings um, that she was uh, frustrated because I, I think we, we can all agree that the Crumbleys were negligent, uh, but are, were there laws on the books at the time that could actually send them to jail? Um, subsequently, the uh, Safe Storage Act was passed, I think, in direct um, uh, re response to this shooting. Um, however, I don't think that she can use that in this case uh, because it wasn't on the books. Fox News has confirmed Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger will sit for an interview with Jack Smith's investigators on Wednesday. The special counsel is examining former President Trump's role in January 6th. Audio of Trump speaking with Raffensperger after the 2020 election over the phone, asking him to find more than 11,000 votes, convinced he'd won the state, has also been part of the Fulton County District Attorney's investigation. Earlier this month, also in association with Special Counsel Smith's investigation, a grand jury in Florida indicted the former president over allegations he withheld classified documents at his home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, after leaving office. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. And Rudy Giuliani also met with Special uh, Counsel Jack Smith yesterday. Supreme Court rejects arguments from North Carolina that congressional maps cannot be overhauled by state courts. Fox's Jared Halpern has more from the White House. 
The 6-3 opinion, authored by Chief Justice John Roberts, rejects the independent state legislature theory that state legislatures have broad discretion to set federal election rules. North Carolina lawmakers argued the state Supreme Court overstepped its role by rejecting congressional district maps that ran afoul of state law. Writing for the majority, Roberts says the Federal Elections Clause does not vest exclusive and independent authority in state legislatures. The practical effect is minimal since the redistricting ruling was undone by the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court ruling could serve as precedent to state legislatures and state courts ahead of next year's elections. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. And the next decision day for the Supreme Court is actually this Thursday where we're awaiting big rulings, um, including student loans. Uh, Starting July 1st, just a heads up, Michigan drivers will see an increase in their car insurance bills. Drivers with unlimited personal injury protection, they'll pay $122 per vehicle uh, per year to the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Association. And a $36 increase is in store. Uh, That was from last year. I'm sorry. And then all All other drivers, they will pay $48 for the year after the MCAA set rates this spring to make up a $3.7 billion deficit. Got to hit the break. It's First Things with Mike Parsons. Just absolutely sad and shocking news about Ryan Mallett. You remember uh, he spent a little time as a uh, quarterback here at the University of Michigan behind Chad Henney before transferring to uh, Arkansas and then playing a couple seasons in the NFL. Uh, passed away yesterday in his mid-30s due to a drowning. Um, so rest in peace and thoughts and prayers and all that great stuff. Uh, 14-year-old Warren police veteran has been fired after attacking a 19-year-old prisoner on camera inside a Warren police station. Bill Dwyer, Warren police commissioner, is on WJR Mornings with Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson. How difficult was this decision? Uh, it wasn't difficult at all. Uh, based on the information we had uh, to start with, we uh, were transparent right from the beginning. You know, it's just uh, when we had the press conference last week, it was one week to the day that uh, the incident happened. Uh, the embarrassment and the negative spotlight that was shed on the Warren Police Department, the men and women in blue, uh, it's something that uh, when you look at the facts, uh, it merited uh, his uh, being terminated. Uh, uh, uh. Commissioner Dwyer's Lloyd Jackson. Um, Lloyd, yes. Can you can you tell me that Officer Rodriguez did he have any any type of uh, prior discipline? Was this out of character for him? Uh, he's had a couple of discipline cases, kind of relating to excessive force. One was in uh, 2012, and the other was in uh, 2016. Uh, he was uh, suspended on one of the incidents back. I believe it was the incident that occurred, uh, the assault in 2016. Mm. When you when you look at this case, uh, is the union challenging this bill, or is is this something where he may lawyer up and, and commit a civil action and try to silence you uh, when when other departments might may come for a reference? Should he apply elsewhere? Yeah, I, I guess, again, just to set the record straight that, you know, we were very transparent right from the beginning informing the public as far as the misconduct uh, by Officer Rodriguez uh, of the Warren Police Department. We went and stated that it would not be tolerated, but 
I, I do want to give credit to the officers that really intervened uh, as far as uh, reporting uh, the incident to their supervisors. I mean, uh, it was clear that there was excessive force used. Uh, uh, the officers uh, did go to their immediate supervisor immediately, reported it. We started the internal investigation immediately. I mean, the time on this was uh, quite frankly, you know, he was booked at around 6.03 a.m. in the morning. Uh, he was uh, delivered, the first strike was at uh, 6.08. Mm -hmm. Two officers uh, actually responded within a mere six seconds after seeing uh, Rodriguez strike the uh, victim. And then I immediately called in internal affairs uh, by, uh, by around 8 o'clock in the morning. And he was actually transported to the hospital on my orders. Uh, after I looked at the video, uh, he didn't request um, or make even make a complaint about his injuries. I was concerned about his uh, possible internal uh, problems with you know bleeding or something. And uh, he was taken to the hospital um, at nine o'clock in the morning, and he was actually medically cleared, and he was returned to the jail at uh, twelve noon. You're right, Bill. The, the The video is clear. The minute he sucker punches that inmate, <clears throat> the other two officers move in. Nevertheless, that the young man was still tackled by the officer, uh, Officer Rodriguez, and his head was slammed into the floor. And then the officer picked him up and threw him to the ground inside the holding cell. That's correct. Did those other two officers in that moment... Did they live up to our expectations in terms of trying to prevent additional violence? Absolutely. I, I mean, if you look at the video, this all happened within five seconds. It wasn't a three-minute or a four- or five-minute uh, uh, beating or assault. Uh, these officers, uh, when they arrived, they, Rodriguez already had them on the ground. They don't know what was going on at that point. Mm -hmm. But immediately when he used more force, uh, as far as uh, taking the uh, back of his head and banging it, uh, the officers uh, said, you know, they, they said, that's enough, that's enough. And it, and they de-escalated the situation, quite frankly. They weren't aware as far as what happened before they got into that room, number one. And number two, they didn't know that Rodriguez was going to pick him up, as he did, as like a rag doll yeah. and throw him yeah. in his cell. They, didn't, they absolutely didn't know that was coming. Now, when they seen what happened, they, as I said, they should be given a lot of credit for immediately reporting this to the supervisor. I agree. And yeah. what, it, it's been tough on this department uh, for the last week because everybody's stereotyped. I mean, the men and women in this department, the men and women in blue, they I do a great job. I've, I've got a uh, press conference at 1 o'clock to show exactly what happened as far as what these officers in this department have been doing for the last two weeks. And I, I think it's it's something interesting because um, there was hundreds of people arrested, and I'm just going to leave it at that, and I'll okay. wait till tomorrow. And I'm going to give wow. a lot of to the officers that are out there. They were under, you know, they they were under the cloud. Uh, they were there was there was negative, and they were treated negatively by the public. Uh, I received a lot of calls, and sure. uh, and as part of my job to receive the calls, I know what I have to do. I've been doing this for many many years. Yes, and, you have. Nobody likes to uh, have to, you know, do what what you have to do, but you do it because you you got to protect the, the men and women in blue that are out there, twenty four seven doing a great job, great job. But it only takes one apple, one right. bad apple, to really uh, 
make everybody go over the negative spotlight. Uh, Chief Dwyer, just uh, just want to let you know, uh, I was at the fireworks last night and I saw uh, Chief James White uh, from the Detroit Police Department who wanted to uh, congratulate you uh, for your leadership. And also he said that uh, those uh, officers, of course, did the right thing going to their supervisors. He says he gives kudos to them, but also to you for your leadership. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the chief in Detroit, he's got a tough job there, but he does a great job. But mm-hmm. again, these officers, they, they did exactly what they're trained to do and required to do. They saw something out of line and they immediately intervened and worked to de-escalate the situation. And Bill, and they, you you have always been front and center on this. For the 40 years that I've known you, I appreciate what you did here and we in the media, we need to send the message that this in no way reflects on any other member of the Warren Police Department. And we'll continue to deliver that message and also continue to applaud the leadership that you've shown here. And that 19-year-old man who was caught on uh, camera being attacked by uh, Officer Matthew James Rodriguez, is 19-year-old Jaquan Smith, uh, he is suing the city of Warren and uh, former officer Rodriguez for $50 million for violating his constitutional rights. And uh, I'm wondering if uh, that one o'clock press conference that uh, uh, Commissioner Dwyer uh, mentioned, that's 1 p.m. today, is uh, in response to that or if it will be um, addressed at all in that press conference. Uh, Convicted sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein's prison suicide was a combination of negligence and misconduct, according to a Justice Department watchdog report that was released yesterday. Inspector General Michael Horowitz says that failure to assign Epstein a new cellmate and surveillance camera issues as major factors in the suicide. Report also says that workers assigned to Epstein were sleeping or online shopping instead of checking on him every 30 minutes. Um So I'm sure this report will offer a little solace to Epstein's victims or to people uh, hoping to see the rich and powerful who inspired what Epstein brought to justice. We'll be right back. Well, I hate to say I called it. Who am I kidding? I love to say I called it. Big news yesterday is that Ryan Seacrest is taking over for Pat Sajak as host of Wheel of Fortune after uh, season 41 for Pat Sajak, uh, which is the one coming up. So after this after this season, Pat Sajak is done. And when the news came out that uh, he was retiring, I said it's probably either going to be Ryan Seacrest, Mario Lopez, or Nick Cannon, because those are the only three people who uh, who host anything anymore. And uh, it, it's weird because the economy is much different now than it was 41 years ago. Back then, Pat Sajak could support himself on one uh, game show hosting salary. Uh, and now, I mean, how many jobs does Ryan Seacrest have to, to support himself? But uh, congratulations, Ryan Seacrest. It was a safe choice, but I think he's going to be uh, just fine as the, the host of Wheel of Fortune. He's got, uh, he's got uh, a similar Sajak energy, so to speak. Uh, so uh, the Biden administration, they want the majority of vehicles on the road to be EVs by 2030. Question is, uh, how do we make up road, the road funding that we lose from gas taxes? Um, where did I have my info? Here we go. Yesterday on All Talk uh, with Tom Jordan, David DeCharnay, president of CEO of Wrecker Systems, uh, addresses those concerns. So let's talk about this. So this probably, let's start lay the foundation here. How does the funding for 
in all the the repairs to the nation's roadways and bridges currently work? How is that formulated? Well, you know, that's a it's a mixture of things. Majority of the funding today comes from as you as you outlined with gasoline tax. Um, an average gasoline a gallon of gasoline you'll pay about thirty one cents back to the federal government, who collects it all uh, all together, and then every state applies back to the federal government for getting funds specific to their state back into their state. And they do that through telling the government uh, how many how many types of vehicles, how many vehicles, and the speeds of vehicles, and a bunch of different analytics that uh, is the calculus for how much money comes back to a state. So that's how it works today. So obviously, there's a significant issue here because the rise of electric vehicles is going to create a, a necessary challenge for funding road repairs, correct? Because without gas... There's no gas tax. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, electric vehicles today, there's about 7, 8 million electric vehicles on the roadways today. That's about a five-fold increase over the last two, two and a half years. So it's happening, and it's happening pretty quickly. It's not because they're fantastic vehicles, but their prices have dropped. Battery technology has gotten better. Subsidies from the government to incentivize consumers to buy electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, are really driving that kind of demand. So it's happening. It's happening quickly. And uh, you're right. They're not going to the gas pump um, or if they're a hybrid vehicle, they're certainly not going as frequently. And so that creates about a 30 to 40 percent forecasted reduction in the amount of taxes collected uh, that today are, are what is used to fund roadway and roadway repairs and new projects, et cetera. So, yeah, it's it's coming and it's coming quickly. Do we know how many uh, EVs are really on the road? Because it, we'll hear numbers like, OK, there's 70,000 here in Michigan, Governor Whitmer wants to get to two million by 2030. But how do they count these? How how many do we do we have an accurate count on the roadways? We do. We do. We do. I mean, I, I would say plus or minus a few percentages, but it's somewhere between seven and eight million vehicles on our roadways today that are that are considered electric vehicles today. That's as of today. And for every new car sale, uh, pardon me, for car sales, it's about one in ten. Uh, are now EVs. And that's very different than it was a couple of years ago. So about 10% of new car sales are uh, are EV. And, and that's projected to be, could be a little bit wrong, right? You know what forecasting's like. But it, the expectation is to be 50% of all car sales by 2030, which is not that far away. So the rapid increase here is, is uh, really being projected, and that's going to have a big impact in how roads are getting funded, for sure. Okay, so this is this seems to be a pretty urgent issue. Um, do you think the federal and, and the various state governments are going to be able to address this issue quickly enough to replace the outgoing tax revenue for a, a, a future solution? Well, from a federal government perspective, yes, they have allocated funding to be able to help states, I mean, to the tune of, gosh, about $25 billion that's allocated to states for things like putting in appropriate charging stations so that they can build that necessary infrastructure and clean transportation initiatives and battery technologies. So the federal government's enabling states to apply for, and states have, in fact, 32 states, including Michigan, have applied with their electric vehicle plans and infrastructure needs and are already securing funds to the state to help support that and build that infrastructure out. Now, once that's, that's one, that's step one. I mean, can I even have the infrastructure to support it? Step two is, okay, how do I charge on an ongoing basis? Because all of that infrastructure, like the rest of our roadways, will still need to be maintained. 
And so states for the past decade, so it's not a new problem, but now it's super urgent. But for the past decade, states have been trying different sort of ways to be able to approach how to fund alternative to fuel. And so things like, you know, when you register your vehicle, uh, you'll pay, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars more to offset. Uh, when you there's other programs that ask that drivers report their odometer readings so that they can get a sense of how many miles are traveled and then charging accordingly. You can imagine that doesn't work very well because uh, uh, people don't want to report that, I would say, in general. Hmm. Other approaches like put a device in my car that will count. And, and that's not really gone so well. But net net, after this all shakes out, there's some pioneers in this space. And it's Oregon. It's Utah. It's Virginia that have been really pushing the envelope and, and really codifying statewide approaches to how to handle road usage and miles-based usage fees and stuff like that. And it's really coming down to how many miles are traveled versus a gasoline tax that would be replacing. That, that seems to make sense to me. You know, you, you, you drive a certain amount of uh, miles and you're taxed accordingly. So I would imagine that that's going to require... Uh, technology. I know you at uh, Recore Systems use a lot of AI technology and whatnot. Is that is that what we're looking at in the future to really uh, hone on on this and find out where we can generate uh, the appropriate revenue from? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it's something that you know what what you need to do as a Department of Transportation or a state is understanding what's moving on your roadway. And if you look at, if you look at the way it's done historically with combustion engines, for example, in order for traffic management you know, uh, centers that manage the roadways for them to understand what's moving. They have to have cameras on a roadside today. Right. And that's what they, they're all, they're, they're everywhere, you know, cameras on the roadside that, that can help when somebody calls in with 911, they try to find it on the screen and then they try to send a first responder out or, or something like that. That's very typical. But after 2016, vehicles are now connected and more and more electric vehicles are coming in line and, and even the beginnings of autonomous driving and beginning early stages of autonomous driving. Michigan's a major driver in that, in that pioneering technology in particular um, with, with the University of Michigan and, and Departments of Transportation in Michigan engaged yeah. with the federal government. So there's a lot of movement in your state. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's interesting because here in Michigan, we might be the driver of a lot of these things, but we have horrific roads here. I don't know how much time you spend in our state, but we're probably among the worst in the country for the roadways and the infrastructure. So we're particularly interested in what happens in the space over the next few years. And one of the concerns that has been raised is the electric vehicle. They, they typically weigh a lot more than their counterparts in the internal combustion space. Um, they have, I, and I had a lot of us t- to the batteries. So are we looking at a situation where we can be seeing the need for higher taxes as a result of EVs? Yeah. You know, that, that's it. In fact, I just want to support you on, on one thing you said is that in the, the national rating for infrastructure on roadways is, is a C minus. And, and Michigan is actually, the roads are rated at a D. The bridges are at a D plus. So you're right. I mean, the infrastructure is being pounded in Michigan. I mean, it's weather, it's it's older construction or whatever it may be. And you're right. Electric vehicles are about are about 30 to 40 percent heavier than a regular vehicle. Um, and so that has additional wear and tear on a roadway, which means they're not going to last as long, which means bridges that may be, you know, suspect or, or in need of repair are going to be you know, even more so. Uh, with the advent of all of these electric vehicles coming online, and so it, it is certainly um, it's certainly a formidable task. And yeah, you got to pay for it. And gas tax used to be the way to do that. 
And now it's, it has to be done through alternative methods of like usage, for example, as we talked about usage fees. That was uh, David Descharnay, president and CEO of Recor Systems, with Tom Jordan and I'll talk, talking about uh, uh, possible ways uh, to make up the shortcomings of road funding uh, when we lose gas taxes as electronic vehicles become more and more common on the roadway. Uh, just a reminder, if you're just tuning in, we are under an air quality advisory alert uh, till at least midnight on Thursday, um, the air quality is going to be very unhealthy today, not just for sensitive groups, but for everyone. So uh, breathe safe, I guess. We'll be right back talking to uh, Guy, Lloyd, Nick down at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. Well, it's a, a little lonely in the studio here at... Uh, the, the uh, Golden Tower, uh, because Lloyd, Guy, and Nick Roddy are all down at the Detroit Golf Club um, for the opening of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, let's see if we've got the uh, if we've got all the cables connected. Good morning, guys. Good morning. So uh, listen, you're, you're a lot safer there than we are. We we are, our tent is pitched right where I normally push my drive off the first tee. <laughs> <laughs> they should okay. give out they should give out jr morning branded like hard hats or something yeah we, we may be ducking this morning remember so. today is pro-am day these aren't the pros that that knock it off the tee straight every time <laughs> we got a lot of amateurs we got a nice oak tree in front of us but i got a feeling that they can clear that so we'll see yeah maybe it, you guys should be like uh, little kids that go to a baseball game just have like uh, your baseball mitts ready to go for uh, for protection or something I'm 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 going to ask the boss why didn't you provide us with helmets? Yeah, or plexiglass uh, or something. Yeah, no, it's we're we're going to be fine here. And if not, we'll get some souvenirs. Yeah, well, if you get if you guys get like a, a bump to the noggin or something, you guys can get workman's comp and get a you know a paid vacation for a couple of weeks. I'm sure, the bosses love hearing me suggest that. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, no, we're we're going to be fine and we're going to have a great day. And it's um it is a beautiful day out here this is just a beehive of activity i didn't know that you could put searchlights on a green mower um, <laughs> these guys are set to be working all night if they need to we saw the uh the stint meters were out they're testing how fast the greens are going to be and i'm sure they're going to be a lot faster than anything i could handle but it's uh so it's it is uh, they are ready for pro-am day out here at detroit golf club and uh, the course is looking good. I know we had some trees that came down because of the storm that blew through on Sunday, and there were some chemical spills on some of the greens a couple uh, months ago. Those were concerns. How's it looking out there? It's looking like they, uh, I mean, there is no debris. There's a leaf here yeah. there, but there is no debris down. They've completely cleaned this up. It is game ready and crowd ready. Um, the only thing that we've got to, that, that is of a concern, Michael, is the fact that yesterday Detroit was second in the second worst wow. in the world for air quality. Yeah, and the those those the smoke has persisted throughout the night, and we wake up this morning in the unhealthy range, bordering on hazardous in some areas. But the good news is this should be diminishing as we get closer to noon time. Yeah. Yeah, I hope. And I was I've been watching uh, Brian Sherman on Channel Four this morning, and uh, I, I feel like um, you know this is like the second time this has happened in within a month, and I feel like 
every time this happens, we, we really get an education in, in, in sort of the way that that clouds and weather patterns move, because uh, it, it's not just it's just not linear. It's it, it's more of like a spinning type thing, because it looks like as you get closer to noon, like you said, guy kind of dissipates. Um, and then, um, you know, as we move into the evening, it gets a little bit worse because we're on a cycle. So uh, we'll see. Um, I, I feel like I feel like New Delhi is kind of the uh, the punching bag every time, uh, you know, one of the cities here in America has terrible air quality because of the wildfires. Uh, it's always uh, compared to New Delhi. But uh, I, I mean, like you said, guy, we were we were second worst for a while yesterday. Chicago was first, which leads me to believe that uh, our air quality is is not uh, great to begin with. Um, actually, you know, actually, our air quality has been pretty good. You know, in terms of ozone, things like that, we've we've waived the mandate to have to do the uh, tailpipe test that we used to do. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it, this this you know, my wife and I both said this is probably what they experienced during the time of Dickens or in the twenties and thirties here in Detroit when everybody burned coal to keep right. their uh, keep their furnaces going. When people live um, to the ripe old age of thirty one. Yeah, but that's because we 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 also ingested filterless yes. Chesterfields, right? Um, <laughs> the Marlboro Reds of their day. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, no, there's this this is going to be abating, and that's a good thing. We got a a beautiful day. We're going to be talking about all the the benefits that are uh, we we have spin on golf. Where we're going to be talking. <laughs> oh boy, I got excuse boy, me. Jump was in. It, it, was that was it, yeah. Was that some of the uh, that was the a little, just a little piece of Quebec there? Don't be alarmed. Keep your head on a swivel today, Lloyd. It's I you know, if I guy will. goes down. Uh, my goodness. Well, it is. It, it, my my wife said yesterday after I did some. First of all, she was shocked I was doing lawn work, and then she she said, "Did you notice you're coughing again?" I said, oh, "You know, maybe there is something to this." So anyway, but uh, no, they uh, just it, the, all of the spinoffs of of community benefits that comes with the Rocket Mortgage class. We're going to be exploring that throughout the day as they tee it up in the pro am, which is also another major fundraiser for this. And uh, and just talking about what a wonderful halo this has put over the city. We're also going to be talking about uh, James and Jennifer Crumbly. Yep. Um, we talked uh, briefly yesterday about the fact there's new evidence in that case pointing to their guilt of being negligent uh, to the point of being criminally negligent. We'll talk to Todd Flood about how much that tips the scales, but also uh, two interesting Supreme Court decisions yesterday, one having to do with stalkers and threatening speech. And whether this threatening speech is defined by the person who is receiving it or the person that is making it. And the Supreme Court ruled what matters is whether the person speaking knows it could be threatening. So we got and a jam. We have a jam. Got, got to cut you off, Guy. Oh, we're, sorry, buddy. We're, but, yeah, but, clocks But, but the that. good news <laughs> is you got three hours with Guy Gordon, and I'm going to be listening to see if he makes it through. JR Mornings coming up next.